chapter fifteen of lincoln the lawyer this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org lincoln the lawyer by frederick trevor hill chapter fifteen lincoln the lawyer in congress lincoln took his new honors very simply even a little sadly being elected to congress he wrote though i am grateful to our friends for having done it has not pleased me as much as i expected later he wrote of his experiences i find speaking here and elsewhere about the same thing i am about as badly scared and no worse than i am when i speak in court but unlike the irishman he was fond of telling about whose heart was as valiant as any one's but whose cowardly legs would run away with him at the approach of danger lincoln conquered his timidity and speedily displayed a courage of which no mere politician would have been capable in eighteen forty texas had declared its independence and under the terms of a treaty made with the mexican general santa anna the new republic claimed the east bank of the rio grande from source to mouth as its proper and legal boundary it is true that santa anna had made such a treaty but as it was signed while that not too valiant gentleman was a prisoner and in fear of his life his acceptance of his captor's ideas as to boundaries could hardly be regarded as binding on his country especially in view of the fact that mexico had promptly repudiated his alleged treaty and continued the war it was supposed to have settled under ordinary circumstances it is doubtful if the united states would have insisted upon the very questionable title of texas to the area in dispute but the new republic had applied for admission to the union and the provisions of the act admitting it created a temptation which the politicians of the country were unable to resist the pro-slavery party in the national legislature was beginning to need reinforcements especially in the senate and the act conferring statehood upon texas provided that several states might be carved out of the acquired territory and as each new state meant two votes in the senate this legislation promised to offset the admission of free states and keep the dominant party in control then as a sop to the anti-slavery agitators it was solemnly enacted that in such of the new states as lay north of thirty six degrees thirty minutes the missouri compromise line slavery should be absolutely prohibited while in those which lay south of that boundary slavery might exist or might not as the constitutions of the new states provided when it is remembered that no land claimed by texas lay north of thirty six degrees thirty minutes the farcical nature of this concession is apparent but it won enough votes in the presidential campaign to ensure the admission of the proposed new state and the pro-slavery politicians had every incentive to make its dimensions as generous as possible under all the circumstances president polk interpreted his election as a popular mandate to support the texan claims and the moment the state was admitted to the union 
he ordered the army to occupy the disputed territory and the country accepted the war which followed in an outburst of enthusiasm over the success of our arms such was the situation when lincoln took his seat in congress but although some of his warmest friends were at the front and almost all his constituents approved of the war he would not close his eyes to the facts and refused to be dazzled by military glory there was a great chance for the orator and cheap patriot in the fact that a mere handful of americans was scattering thousands of mexicans in every battle and lincoln was urged to make the most of his opportunity and distinguish himself but although he knew what was expected of him and what alone would satisfy his friends and was well aware that no critic of his country is tolerated while its foes are under arms he refused to compromise with his conscience and fought the government policy with all his might and main then for the first time in his public life his power and training as a lawyer were called into play and in a series of questions which no one but a skilful cross-examiner could have phrased he disposed of the casuistical explanations of the war president polk in his several messages to congress had repeatedly referred to the mexican invasion of our territory and the blood of our fellow-citizens shed on our soil and quoting these statements as his text lincoln introduced his now famous spot resolutions wherein the president was requested to answer eight questions calculated to inform the house whether the particular spot on which the blood of our citizens was shed was or was not at that time our own soil there was no escape for the executive from these questions they were pertinent penetrating and not without a certain grave humour and each was so drawn as to preclude the possibility of equivocation or evasion moreover they showed an historical knowledge of the facts which could not be trifled with and no one supporting the governmental policy could possibly have answered them all without being caught in a contradiction resolved by the house of representatives they began that the president of the united states be respectfully requested to inform this house first whether the spot on which the blood of our citizens was shed as in his messages declared was or was not within the territory of spain at least after the treaty of eighteen nineteen until the mexican revolution second whether that spot is or is not within the territory which was wrested from spain by the revolutionary government of mexico third whether that spot is or is not within a settlement of people which settlement existed long before the texas revolution and until its inhabitants fled before the approach of the united states army fourth whether that settlement is or is not isolated from any and all other settlements by the gulf and the rio grande on the south and west and by wide uninhabited regions on the north and east 
fifth whether the people of that settlement or a majority of them or any of them have ever submitted themselves to the government or laws of texas or of the united states by consent or by compulsion either by accepting office or voting at elections or paying tax or serving on juries or having process served upon them or in any other way sixth whether the people of that settlement did or did not flee from the approach of the united states army leaving unprotected their homes and their growing crops before the blood was shed as in the messages stated and whether the first blood so shed was or was not shed within the enclosure of one of the people who had thus fled from it seventh whether our citizens whose blood was shed as in his messages declared were or were not at that time armed officers and soldiers sent into that settlement by the military order of the president through the secretary of war eighth whether the military force of the united states was or was not so sent into that settlement after general taylor had more than once intimated to the war department that in his opinion no such movement was necessary to the defense or protection of texas no interpolation of a government was ever phrased in more telling questions they were unanswerable and the administration sought safety in silence lincoln soon heard from these spot resolutions his home friends protesting vehemently that he ought not to antagonize the government in the face of a foreign war and his political opponents seizing upon his action to fasten the charge of unpatriotic conduct if not treason on his party but neither reproaches nor aspersions caused lincoln to change his attitude to his friends he explained that he would vote and had always voted for whatever was necessary for the support of the army in the field but the policy which had sent it there was a national disgrace which could not be palliated with self-respect and honor the claim that the war was not aggressive reminded him he declared of the illinois farmer who asserted i ain't greedy bout land i only just wants what jines mine but whigs and democrats alike were carried away by the war enthusiasm even those who did not wholly approve of the government's attitude accepted the result with patriotic satisfaction and it was with keen delight that lincoln saw the administration lose all political advantage from its policy by the whig nomination of the war hero taylor for the presidency which lincoln declared took the democrats on their blind side but though the popularity of his party's candidate was due to achievements in the field the illinois congressman urged his friends not to abate their criticisms of the war or excuse it in any way general taylor was a brave soldier who obeyed orders even when he did not personally approve them he declared but his candidacy did not demand an endorsement of the war and any such action would imperil the position of the party in law he wrote to general linder it is good policy never to plead what you need not lest you oblige yourself to prove what you cannot never was a legal maxim more happily paraphrased or more aptly applied even in party politics the keen lawyer is apparent in lincoln's every move 
the new congressman's activities were not however confined to combating and exposing the administration's policies but quietly and unobtrusively he was working for a cause in which his heart and soul were enlisted as early as eighteen thirty seven while in the illinois legislature he had placed himself upon record as opposing the extension of slavery and favoring its exclusion from the district of columbia and he had not been long in washington before he put his theories to the test here again the mind and hand of a shrewd lawyer are strongly evidenced it was his legal training which taught lincoln the value of collateral attack he knew as a lawyer that an unobtrusive precedent sometimes decides a mighty issue and that it is often good legal tactics to anticipate the coming of great events by establishing the law in some minor litigation doubtless it was with this intent that he quietly prepared his bill for a gradual compensatory emancipation of the slaves in the tiny district of columbia and obtained support for the measure in high quarters how nearly he succeeded in creating this precedent is a matter of history but it was not fated that the far-sighted lawyer should succeed in his skilful move and the measure never came to vote had his manoeuvre been supported it is more than possible that the greatest issue of our time would have been judicially decided instead of being left to the arbitrament of arms at the close of the congressional session lincoln visited new england for the first time making political addresses for taylor at boston dedham roxbury cambridge and other places and his speeches attracted some favorable notice but after a short tour he returned to springfield resolved to retire from politics at the end of his congressional term undoubtedly he could have had a renomination had he so desired but he felt himself pledged not to seek a second term i can say as mr clay said of the annexation of texas he wrote that personally i would not object to a re-election although i thought at the time and still think it would be quite as well to return to the law at the end of a single term if it should happen that nobody else wishes to be elected i could not refuse the people the right of sending me again but to enter myself as a competitor of others or to authorize any one so to enter me is what my word and honor forbid somebody else did however desire to be elected and lincoln heartily seconded judge logan's ambition but logan did not possess his ex-associate's personal charm and only a man of strong personal magnetism could have won for the whigs in that year and the judge was hopelessly defeated in march eighteen forty nine lincoln's official term expired and then for the first and only time in his life he became an applicant for office the post he desired was the commissionership of the general land office in illinois but justin butterfield a fellow-member of the bar from chicago was appointed and lincoln was afterward offered and fortunately declined the governorship of oregon returning to springfield and the practice of the law numbering among the clients whom he had acquired in washington no less a person than daniel webster a somewhat authoritative recognition of lincoln as a lawyer End of chapter fifteen